The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show episode 428. Mr. Savage. Huzzah! Boom, we're back in Goldstream Park. And we didn't get scared off from the uh, the late pick five for that that opening big weekend uh, for this current. Well, I guess it's not championship me yet, but, uh, you know, the late pick five didn't work out for us last time. We're like, we're coming back on Wednesday. We're going to run it back. And you are very aggressive with this card. Yeah, it's it weird that late pick five, we talked a lot about pace and how important it was to those races. And then we had a horse go nutty in the the sprint, which we both were singling because we thought there was lone speed. And and the, I think it was the four just blitzed out and went crazy. And then if you look at the last race where we both used that seven that was 21 on the morning line. The three horse had never done anything like that. Had a 66 early time form rating and was a presser on, against our seven that really cost the seven the trip we wanted. So it's it's tough because sometimes on paper you see it a certain way, and then on the racetrack a jockey gets a different idea and tries to change it up. I don't I, I don't blame the threes jockey because it was probably the only way that horse wins the race. I like the idea of being aggressive and trying to take it to him. Uh, it ended up costing our seven, and and that three I think ran last too, so not great there either. But it's tough when you're like, okay, pace, 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 and then just completely plays out differently on the track. Didn't work out for us there. I will say it was nice, the uh, the stakes race, the wait a while stakes, that was a good one. We were pretty all over that. We both liked the Todd Pletcher horse, Juniper Marshmallow, which, you know, coming down to five to one off odds off of H1 morning line, but still was a great price on a horse that we didn't, I mean, we were playing that one as much for anything as the price. Like, this shouldn't be. This low in Malimu with Leperu out of Tongaru, the dam, uh, got second in her North American debut. Watch out for those two horses uh, moving forward as three-year-olds. They're both going to be uh, very deadly at the Gulfstream Park uh, three-year-old Philly turf races uh, starting up pretty soon here. Yeah, they, they, they showed Malimu before the race working with, I think it was Kentucky Ghost, who's a pretty uh, accomplished horse over the turf as well. So interesting uh, connections or interesting work partner there for Malimu. So you, that kind of gives you an idea of where they think that horse is going to end up. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, on this specific sequence that you mentioned, I kind of got aggressive. Before we jump into the actual races and the handicapping, I think we should at least talk about the sequencing of this and kind of ticket structure here, because this one's interesting. In a couple of these races, the longest shots I liked were like six to one, five to one, somewhere in that range. And so when going through it, you can put a ticket together. You can kind of construct it where you're going three or four deep in these legs, but you're using all these horses that are sub five to one. Long run, that's going to cost you. You may hit tickets for like 300, 400 bucks for a 50 cent ticket that it costs you 80, 90 dollars, which is great to turn a four to one profit. But you're going to lose more than you win in those spots, especially if it ends up chalking out or if in one of those races, that long shot that you just thought was completely out of the blue, no way that horse wins, wins, you end up losing that spot. So I kind of decided here, I'm going to trust my opinions in these more. So I'm playing a very short $1 ticket costs 24 bucks and a $5 ticket that costs $40 and just saying, hey, this is a sequence I want to be right in because the prices aren't quite there for it to be able to balloon up to, you know, a $2,000, $3,000 ticket for just a 50 cent denomination. And I ended up, uh, I learned my lesson last time not to single a speed horse. Uh, I really should have learned my lesson with Oscar performance in the Breeders' Cup mile. Uh, as soon as the speed horse comes out of the gate and just stumbles, you're like, well, just rip that ticket right up. Uh, you bring up a good point, though. I, I'm looking through my ticket right now, and I have at least an 8-to-1 in every leg except the first one, and I went with a 6-to-1 there. But the prices are interesting. There's especially the, uh, I think it'll be the, yeah, the feature race where you've got two Todd Pletcher horses and his former assistant, Jonathan Thomas, has a horse in there. And they're three to one, three to one, five to two, two to one, something like that. So uh, you have to really split that one up. So we'll uh, we'll see how we played that one. But, uh, you know, I wanted to congratulate Aaron for continuing to trust One Pride, Lions Nation, continuing to win, uh, continuing to make money for Aaron betting. And if you catch Dude to Bet Sports, or sorry, Dude to Bet Daily uh, on Sunday, I, I showed up and bragged about my Navy hit and then didn't have a best bet, thankfully, because the Vikings, I was like, hey, maybe the Vikings will win this one. No, that was a bad game for the Vikings. Great game for the Lions. Actually, what I predicted would happen was correct. Just I switched the teams around. I got a little dyslexic on that. That's my fault. But uh, if the Detroit Lions win out and the Vikings lose out, the Lions win the division. I don't really understand how that's possible, nor how is it possible the Titans play from the beginning of the season is still in play, Mike. Yeah, that was kind of nice. We're, we're sitting at, what, I think it's seven and six now on the Titans, under nine and a half all of a sudden, has a ton of life. Uh, they have the Chargers and they have the Cowboys left on their schedule. Uh, they have Houston, so they'll win that one. But that last game is against Jacksonville in Jacksonville, and Jacksonville just 
handled them their their asses there this week. So we just have to get go two and two here, and we end up cashing the over on the Giants and the under on the Titans. So hopefully, we get that puppy home. Uh, Dr. Tang asking if Detroit will, if we'll play Detroit this week. Tell you what, Dr. Tang, I'll tease it. Coming up in a little under two hours, Aaron and Papa Dude on Dudes Who Bet Sports. They're going to recap the NFL, and maybe you can ask Aaron then. He'll tell you if he thinks the Lions are a play. But first, Mike, we've got Wednesday's Late Pick 5 at Gulfstream Park to get into. Riders up! All right, Mike. Uh, by the way, I meant to ask you this: does, does Lily watch Sesame Street, or did she? Is that something that she does much? No. All right. Do you remember though? There was the the count. And the count yeah. always had the number of the day. The number of the day is eight because all five legs they each drew eight horses. I've never seen that before. And also, the eight is uh, is Lily's favorite horse with the pink. So the pink horse. Very so, true. Uh, it's a very Lily uh, Monday. Looking at Wednesday, the first leg of the late pick five at Gulfstream Park. Race five is a one mile turf route. Eight males, three and up. They've either started for a claiming price of 20K or less, or they're currently in for a 32K tag. Favorite is the number eight, One Night Standards at 3-1. to one. Where'd you go on top? I thought this was actually a really tough race. Um, you can make a case for probably five of these eight horses that they're legitimate win threats. And you kind of can see that based on the odds board as well. You mentioned the eight, your three to one favorite. You got four to one, seven to two, nine to two, six to one, six to one. Really just two long shots. I don't think either of them make a ton of sense in this spot. So it's one of those first spots where like, okay, I have to kind of narrow this down, figure out what I'm gonna how I'm gonna attack this race because I'm not gonna get a massive price, but you're probably gonna get a ten dollar winner out of this sucker. I went with the two, Lamplighter Jack on top here. Um, I really like the, the stretch uh, in the middle of this year where this horse was able to go gate to wire four straight times on a synthetic course that was favoring closers during that time. Um, so I, I like the fact that we were able to hold the speed. The turf races are, are the big big concern here. Obviously, we're going a mile on the turf. Like we mentioned last uh, last week, we want to have speed on this course. And this is going to clearly be your horse that is going to try and go gate to wire in this spot. You look back at the race three back, that was a Kentucky Downs, kind of a funky situation, went 23-3, and 45-3, and three. lost to a horse, Max KO, who is a very good horse, uh, would, would kind of st- I would think would tower over this field. So I'm not going to hold that one against him. You look back in the PPs, the other time we've seen this horse go a mile on, a, on the Gulfstream Park turf here was in February of this year. Paco was aboard, didn't get the lead. And I think that was a, a, a concern for me, a reason why I'm not as worried about that race, because this horse wants the lead, and I think needs to be in the lead. And I expect Lamplighter Jack goes to the front out of this, this two post, gets the rail on the first turn, and hopefully doesn't look back. Uh, the only really horse that I'd be worried about pressing is the five. But you have enough situations where you've seen Zaya sit off with this five horse. I think that's going to be the, the, the plan here is that if, if you don't get the lead in the first turn, just sit back behind the two and kind of hang out. Not much other pace in this spot. So it's really just going to be those two that are going to be up front. I'm going to put the two lamplighter on Jack on top, but I am going to use the five freedom matters as my other must use here. I think it's going to be hard to catch either of these two turning for home because the biggest threats are going to be coming from way back. And that's just not what you want to be doing right now in this Gulfstream Park turf course. Uh, I used the five that was my top pick here. Uh, and, you know, the horses, and if you look at the last four turf starts, is a neck away from winning three of those. Uh, at this distance, 20 tries on the turf, has hit the board 17 times, won 25% of those five times. So, um, you know, that, that Kentucky Downs race, I went back and watched the replay. Uh, it's pretty hard fought. It was good on the front end, so that makes me feel good about the two, which I didn't use. I think the two is going to be bet. I think the two is going to get hammered way down because you're also getting Gath Leon aboard. And I'm very scared of the two, but. I think the two is going to be down at a price that I can't really touch if I'm using the five the way that my ticket's structured. I, w- I went a lot deeper than, than what you did with yours uh, in different legs. Um, also, that Kentucky Downs race, two next out winners, uh, all cloudy, I think was third, got a 91 buyer for winning at Keeneland. So very good form there. For me, this is Safi. It's it's Edgar Zayas. You know, they tend to print money at Gulfstream, especially before we start the official champions meet. And they also have the number three Parkland in here, uh, Safi and the, uh, the owners of the five. They co-own the three. That's the other horse I went with here. Uh, this one is lo- loves to bounce around the claiming tag. He's, he's been taken out of the last three starts. And actually, the last four times the horse was available for a tag, uh, the only four times in his career, the horse was claimed each time, all by higher percentage trainers. Uh, Safi, Debona, Crichton, uh, Reynaldo Yanez, I don't really know, but had a 20, you know, I see 24%. That's pretty good, uh, even from a small s- sample size. I love the fact that Safi runs him back protected. He's been claimed three straight times in, in the last four times. 
he was available, he was always taken. So I was like, no, no, we're going to hold on to this one. And by the way, we're getting Irad freaking Ortiz Jr. to ride this horse. You look at who's ridden. Um, aside from JJ Hernandez, no, that's Brian Hernandez. Aside from Joel Rosario, one time, there's never been a jockey nearly of this caliber uh, aboard this horse before. So I think it's six to one. The uh, the other Safi, I think, here is pretty dangerous. And if the two and the five hook up, I think this is the horse that'll be sitting there about fourth place, third or fourth place in, in mid pack and ready to pounce on them. So for me, I went with the two Safis and the two uh, Mercy Man racing horses, the three and the five. It's interesting. You, you said that you think the two is going to get hammered. I think this three is going to get hammered. Um, I, I think the three is going to go off pretty short here. I, I would guess, well, I shouldn't say pretty short. My guess is around three to one, somewhere in that range, about half of what the morning line is sitting at because Irad is up for uh, Safi here because of the claiming like you discussed. And because that race on, on March 24th over this Gulfstream Park turf course or over that Gulfstream Park turf course uh, was impressive. I mean, able to get the job done stalking from just off the pace. Three is a concern for me because this three is going to get a very good trip. And it's going to be whether or not the three is good enough turning for home. And, and if Irad's able to find a lane on the inside, because you got to assume this three is going to be pocketed up right behind the two. Um, and we'll, we'll see if, if he's good enough down the lane to get it done. Um, I use the eight as well in my dollar ticket here. Uh, one night standards. This is one of those where I, I, I respect the heck out of the, the connections here with Maker mm -hmm. and with Saez. Also, just it's a massive drop in my mind based on where we were running to where we're going here. You're, you're talking about Kentucky Downs, then Keeneland and an N2X allowance. Um, and then you go from there, you go into a, a, a restricted stakes race at Churchill Downs. Came off the turf, so I am kind of just drawing a line through that one. Um, the horse clearly had no interest in running over a sloppy track. He's done it twice in his career and got a 42 and a zero buyer in those two races. So just draw a line through that last one for the eight. Biggest concern here is going to be the distance when you look back at everything, but then you notice the horse is three for four at the distance. Like you, you think maybe a mile is too short, but it, you know, we're three for four, so I'm, I'm going to kind of give it credit in that sense. Uh, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go two, five, eight on the dollar ticket and just the two and the five on the $5 ticket. I could make a pretty solid case for the six, the four or the three as well. Uh, the four would be the next one in for me, but I, I understand Same. why you want to use the three as well. Yeah. I said the four would be the next one in. If, if either the sappy horses scratches, um, well, let me rephrase this. If the three scratches, I'll put the four in. If the five scratches, I'm definitely going to use the two because of the pace setup. But, uh, you know, almost won twice at Saratoga in for higher tags, uh, over the summer, Johnny B is going to be riding, uh, but like the eight, I'm worried it's too short. Now the eight, I'm going to, I'm going to say the horse is two for three at the distance because a mile at Kentucky Downs is closer to a mile and a half at Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland <laughs> than it is a mile at Gulfstream Park. But uh, is I think the horse is going to be too far back uh, at this distance, and with you know the, with the two and the five going at it, I think he'll have too much to do. How is Saez, who is killing everything at Gulfstream, and, and Mike Maker was twenty four percent. How are they one for 23 together in the last two years? That I don't, I don't understand that. That's one of those weird anomaly things where you see like, oh, Pratt and Mark Glad are, are 6% together. And you're like, but, but they shouldn't be, they no. should be a lot better than that. So that's just a weird, I'm not, it didn't factor that into my handicap because at size and like maker, we know who the hell they are and what they're good at. It just didn't. It, it's a weird little anomaly there. I didn't quite understand that. Yeah, and that's just one for twenty three at Gulfstream Park, right? That's just to Sorry, clarify, to make sure. Yeah, and they are for the two years they're they're nineteen percent over two hundred forty six sample size everywhere else. So it's just like it's specifically for some reason here at Gulfstream the combination hasn't been hitting. I, honestly, that just feels like a statistical anomaly to me more than anything else. I mean, size yeah. clicking off it. It's funny. Like texting with like Dr. Tang and people like that, if they're like, Size is killing me this meet. He's not winning the races. He's 30%. Like it's, it's wild he's winning that much, but you still feel like some of the horses he's riding aren't firing. He is on so many favorites right now at Gulfstream Park, or he was prior to this last week, where, where before this, the rest of the jockey colony showed up. Uh, it's just, just wild. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's going to keep going. He, he only has IRAD to deal with, uh, at least right now on Wednesday. Uh, let's move on. We'll look at the second leg here of the late pick. Oops, there's the late pick five at Goldstream Park. Uh, race six now, the first of three straight dirt races, and we're going to start with the bottom of the barrel. Literally, this is as far as it goes. 62.50, non-winners of two lifetime, a group of eight fillies and mares, three and up. Going to try a seven furlong distance. Pretty tricky uh, to try and do. The favorite is number two, Demirly, at seven to five. Where are you going on top? Yeah, uh, this is a mess of a race, man. I mean, like, look, the two is the best horse. I'm not sure two can go seven for a loss, though. This horse has been giving it up, going six and five and a half consistently. That extra half furlong could be a massive problem for Demirely. But you have a massive speed edge, by far the best numbers. 
Um, I'm going to end up with the six. She's a gift on top, who I think is going to be the horse that has the best shot of closing into the two and passing down the lane. I have the two in second, but I think the six was the one that, that can kind of get the job done here. I like the fact that we pick up Saez here. Um, and I, you go back and you, you look at the last race specifically, this horse, it says hop start too wide. The horse had an awful trip there. Like it just, it, nothing went right for the six. She's a gift. And when you're this level of a horse, when anything goes wrong, your race is over. You need everything to go right, but for any of these, for them to be able to win. I like the fact that we're coming out of mile races before that seven furlong race. We're over three at the distance, but at least have a second place, which I think is nice. And while this horse is wildly inconsistent, there are numbers in the back that at least compete with the two horse. I think that's the key there, especially if I think the two horse is going to slow down. The one time that the two, the, the one time on the sheet, at least, the, well, one of the times the two went seven furlongs after the layoff here in 2022 as a three-year-old, the horse backed up pretty bad. I mean, and that to me is the key here, running a 13-second final uh, furlong, ends up getting a 61 buyer, which is better than anyone else in here going this type of distance. But it, I just, I, I really don't want to put the two on top here when I'm worried about that last furlong. Yeah, I didn't touch the two. I left the two off. It feels like at this kind of a level, a horse like this is just going to beg you to burn money like she did her last two starts. Uh, I want to hype up. The six was also my top pick here. And for a reason, along with what you mentioned, uh, if you missed it, last week, Aaron Halterman put out this great video on our YouTube channel called How I Learned to Bet Horse Racing. It goes through and talks about some of the things you learn, recommends some books if you're trying to learn or to improve your handicapping. One of the things that he talked about learning from Kelly Von Hemel was watch what trainers do when a horse breaks their maiden in for a tag. And Aaron's in the background, so you can tell me if I screw this up. Uh, but if I remember correctly, you want to see a trainer bring that horse back at about half that price at which it broke its maiden for. If you want it to be still competitive when they're facing winners for the first time. This horse broke her maiden for 12.5. She should have returned for half that amount, which is 62.50. She comes back, she goes for 20, four straight races for 12.5. She's finally back at the level where she belongs. And I think that's going to be a huge part of uh, why, you know, she's going to take a step forward or should take a step forward. And by the way, oh yeah, Luis Saez is picking things back up. He's only winning at 30%, though. I don't know if that's good enough, but uh, I'm going to trust him at 30%. Now, you, you hit the nail on the head with the maiden claimer to claimer level. Um, I, generally speaking, if you're in for $40,000 maiden claimers, $20,000 claimers is the kind of the level that you are at or that you're facing. And so you can make an argument that when they win like a $25,000 maiden, a $30,000 maiden, and they bring them back protected or they bring them, they move them up the ladder because they think the horse is talented or the horse is on the improve. That's, that's a case where you can say, okay, maybe this is a little different or I'm, I'm willing to take a shot there. Uh, when you go from, 12.5 and you, then you show back up for 40. I mean, that's just wildly aggressive. I, I like that's that's multiple jumps up the class ladder at that point, especially first time out against winners, which is one of the toughest things to do in horse racing. Uh, you and uh, our good buddy, Michael Olson, you have the uh, the agreement on two six here. Uh, I did have the six on top. I got two others. I'll go through real quick. I did use the three raising the glass uh, for, at nine to two. Uh, similarly, all three dirt starts at this level, three back, almost one, two starts back. Something went wrong. I'm scratching that off. And I say something went wrong because you see the claim got voided. Something had to probably was bleeding afterwards. But you notice they came back. There's you can't really drop. But there wasn't a big gap in the time off. And then actually last time out passed horses to get seven uh, to get second with a seven pound bug boy aboard. I think, you know, that's going to be to help the horse move forward. You notice that the four also has a bug boy and I'm going to use her as well. 12 to 1, uh, I'm getting a great price on a horse that's 8 for 16 in the money on Gulfstream Park Dirt with five runner-ups. I mean, at this level, you got to reach for something. I'm reaching for that. And I think that with the 10-pound allowance, this is a horse that's shown that she will pass horses. Even if they're tiring, she will pass horses. And maybe that 10-pound allowance uh, helps move her forward. Morales is still looking for the first career win. Hey, 62.59 winners at two lifetime. Get it done here. Yeah, why not, right? This is Pynchon's other horse, uh, training the six as well, so it has two in here. This is the higher priced of the two. Like the fact that we broke the maiden at a mile, um, and this yep. is now going to seven furlongs, I think coming from off the pace is more beneficial. If you notice in the maiden breaking score, they're going a little bit slower up front. The six furlongs, they went fast, and this four was close to that pace. I think the key for the four here is to be comfortable mid-pack versus trying to be too close to that early leader so that you can get that big run in that last furlong when there's going to be some horses that are sucking some serious wind down the stretch here. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is one of those races. If I didn't bet it, I I don't I would rather watch paint dry than watch this race. But we're betting it, so you, you know I'll have my eyes glued closely. Uh, the third leg of the late pick five at Goldstream Park on Wednesday, December 14th, race seven. We've got another field of eight. These are three-year-old maiden fillies protected, going a one-turn mile on the dirt. The favorite is the number six, Liana B for John Kimmel. And hey, Luis Saez, uh, where'd you go on top? Uh, this one was interesting to me. I I went back and looked at a lot of the different pedigrees in this race. I went back and looked who we ran against, and I ended up with Liana, Liana B on top here. I did, if you go back and you look at that Belmont race, a horse named Union Lake, Lake came out of that race, won that start. She ended up in multiple graded stakes eventually, won her next race, uh, has been very competitive at, at much higher levels than this. I love the speed and fade against better, and that Belmont Maiden Special Weight was significantly better than the field, this field. So I think Liana B makes the lead and could be very, very, very tough out front. This is another reason why I'm not going crazy here from a depth perspective. I think the, the morning line is pretty accurate to who is the most likely winners here, and so I'm not going to go crazy. However, I do like the four. Dreamster, I'm yeah, Dreamster quite a bit in this spot for Mary Leitner, uh, get Gaffley on a board. I went back and watched the replay on this one, and this was a very educational race for a, a trainer that doesn't put a ton of starters out there. She's five for 21 on the year, 24%, one for four at the Gulfstream meet. She's one for three with second time maiden starters here. The horse has been working well. You go back and you look at that maiden 40 optional that, that this horse debuted in. Uh, Adios Baby destroyed that field on the front end. But Dreamster didn't get the best start. Ended up breaking almost last in that. Kind of hopped a little bit at the start. Clearly learning something. Made a nice middle move around the outside, around the turn. Was three wide the whole way. Kind of tracked up to within about a length of Adios Bay. But then just burst away from everyone. You could tell that the start and, and the kind of the first time out for Dreamster really got to her. Second time out, I think she's going to be a lot better. And I, I think she's got a chance to, to be a decent horse here. Mentally, what she did in the first start, I think, was pretty good with a bad start, still able to kind of track up by herself and then just got tired. So I'm hoping second time out we get a better version of Dreamster. Uh, so I'm going to go with the four and the six here as the must-uses. They're the only two I'm using in both my $1 and $5 ticket. Agree with you on the four I use. I'm going to try and beat the six here in this spot, and this might be this might come back to bite me in the ass. That's twice I'm trying to beat size. Well, it, if I do it 70% of the time, it's fine. It's that other 30% that'll kill you. I, I'm going to go with the real horse, Rita Marga, on top, uh, four to one. I think she might be a little sharp cutting back from routing, returning to dirt. Uh, it'll be her third start off of the layoff. But I also like the fact that uh, on debut, going seven furlongs, a very tricky distance for any horse, let alone debuting. Uh, we had a pretty nice second to Gratitude, which is a Todd Pletcher horse. It was three to five favorite and was coming off of her career debut when she missed to Kathleen O by a neck so if you're within if you're less than three lengths behind a horse that was within the neck of kathleen O, who was just an absolute monster at this point last year at Gulfstream, to me that's a pretty good sign um i think the dirt is her better surface some things went wrong when she tried going a little bit longer but now we cut back to six furlongs you see vasquez was aboard her last two starts they were on synthetic but i think that the way she's been the way that she ran in that debut race mike i think she is better on dirt and any kind of progression from those synthetic buyers puts her right in the mix uh, Vasquez to me is, is fits her better than, than no offense to Chantel Sutherland, but I think probably is a better fit for the horse. I'm also going to use the three. She's awesome for Steve Clasaris. Don't love the horse was in for a maiden 40 tag and it was an off turf race at Backwaduck, but that effort at Delaware park last time out, not usually an ankle I played, but arrogant lady is someone that I saw that and I was like, Oh, I know who that is. That's a Christophe Clement horse. There's a $300,000 daughter of arrogate uh, was one to five to win that race and, and looked like it. But again, a horse that was within three lengths of her, when she probably doesn't belong to be within three lengths. The same angle I use with the one with the, the horse with Kathleen O. I'm going to use her, you know, set two back, got second by a neck over a horse that was a next out winner, got a 72 buyer. It was turf sprinting that the that Lady Firefoot won, but she did beat a next out winner who got a 72 buyer. Um, the three to one price, you know, last time out, when we were 28, 21 to one, 28 to one, I'm not going to get the price like that here, but maybe she gets ignored a little bit. I'm not sure. My major issue with the three, and I, I, I looked at this race quite a bit as well. I thought this was another kind of tricky race. I don't think the three is the fastest horse, and the three doesn't want to pass anybody. Um, and so it's one of those horses where if, if she, the three she's awesome doesn't get the lead, I don't know how she wins this race. 
Um, and, and I don't see her getting the lead with both the five and the six in here. I, I think the six is by far the fastest horse. Uh, the five also has has some early turn of foot and probably wants to send here as well. So when you put both of those into the race, I think it's tough for the three to be able to get the job done. I did think the one was a little bit interesting. Um, and I, I looked there for a while. That five furlong uh, synth effort was good. That's the kind of trip you're going to need here from Rita Marga. And I kind of like the name as well. Um, I just I. I think this one's just kind of cut below. And again, this is why I kind of ended up, uh, I, I kind of ended up going shorter in some of these legs because I just, I didn't want to keep adding horses for just the reason of adding horses. I thought Mystical Journey to Seven was a little bit interesting for Cassie coming in here. This is a $200,000 daughter of Curlin. Um, but again, I just, I couldn't get to this horse for, oh, when I'm looking at horses like the six and the four. And the six I thought was really interesting. I don't know if you dove into the family, but Chocolate Brown is the dam. She's a pretty darn good dam. Uh, she's had she's had 100 and or she's had 12 foals run 142 times, and her foals are winning 21 percent of the time. Uh, that's darn impressive from a dam with have that many foals with that large of a, a sample size and to win at that rate. Three year olds specifically are 12 for 39 with a 30 percent win percentage for this dam. Do you know why the main reason that is? Uh, there was one horse who was very good. No, 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 no. It's actually related to the banner at the bottom. If you're watching on YouTube, the owner breeder, oh. Dennis Drazen, owns and runs Monmouth Park, always gave his horses to Jason Effing Service. Jason Service is the reason that dam has such wonderful stats here. Because if you look at the horses once they were claimed away or moved away from service, they fell right off the cliff there. So that for me was a big sign like, ooh, yeah, A, I don't want to you know support Drazen because screw that guy. But B... Uh, the family's got that great history, like you're mentioning, but that was running juiced up, you know, dirt rags at Monmouth Park most of the time. So Liana B might be better than that. She, you know, Kimmel's not, I'm not going to say that I don't know Kimmel. I'm not going to say he's anything like service. He's only 17%, so he must not be. And you brought up the fact that she faced a really great horse in Union Lake last out. But uh, for all those reasons, I'm just going to pass on her. But, you know, she could beat me because size is hopping back aboard. They weren't all service. I just looked back at them. There was there was quite a few in there. I'll give you that. There were definitely quite a few in there. I, I like how someone noticed the banner uh, for the first time down there. Matthew changes the banner every single show, and he puts some thought into it too. You got you got to make sure you read those when we're going. It's through usually here. usually whatever's pissing me off that day or or recently usually gets put down in the banner. So yeah, a little fun uh, fun Easter egg. Thank you, Car Ramrod, uh, for pointing that out. Uh, let's move on. The penultimate take a shot leg of the Magic Mike show late pick five at Goldstream Park on Wednesday, December 14th. Race eight. It's another field of eight three-year-old fillies. They're going a one-turn mile on the dirt, just like the last race, but they're not maidens. It's the N1X allowance level. And this is the race I talked about before we uh, at the start of the show. Two Todd Pletchers, one from his former assistant, uh, Jonathan Thomas, and they're two to one, five to two, three to one. After that, you're getting a big price. Where'd you go on top? It's pretty tough to get around any of those three, though. When you go through this field, I mean, the, the eight's a little interesting. You maybe can make a case for the seven if you really want to. But it's it's tough to get around these top three horses. Um, I went with the four of Val on top simply because I think this is all about the trip here. I think a Val gets, gets a nice stalking trip. Second off a layoff, $300,000 daughter of Arrogate. Uh, those first two efforts are both just impressive i mean if you go back and you watch the replays this horse was dominant never really asked at any point was able to make these sweeping moves and just keep on going down the lane so i, I thought those were both very nice i like the fact that we're two for two over this Gulfstream park track as well there's no issue there the mile should not be even a little bit of an issue warfront mare uh, so this this horse should want every bit of that extra distance and like i said gets the setup my other big issue here because i like the five send for me in second I'm a little concerned about what race that five horse came out of at Aqueduct. If you go back and you look who the five absolutely blitzed in that race, there's not a ton there. Um, and I, I like Jonathan Thomas, obviously having size aboard and having the controlling speed are both huge advantages here going a mile at Gulfstream Park. But uh, you just kind of you go through that race and there, there just wasn't much there. But I like that last workout. Like I said, I like Jonathan Thomas. So I, I went with the four on top because of the setup. I like the three to one price more than the two to one or five to two you're seeing from the other two here. I, I think this is a three horse race. You kind of have to make a call. So on the on the five dollar ticket, I just singled the four and said, hey, if I'm right here, let's let's move along. Let's keep this thing rolling. And on the dollar ticket, I went four or five because I do respect the controlling speed, although I, I'm a little concerned that was a light race. Uh, I'm with you on the four and, and you know, she's exiting a couple of Florida bed races and sometimes Florida bred into open companies, not a, a 
a really good mover, something you want to support, but she was destroying those. And Florida bred horses aren't terrible, so it's not like she was beating up on complete uh, rough or she was beating complete donkeys. Uh, I love the fact I went with both Pletchers here, and for me, Aval got the edge because she's second off of the layoff. I, I know it's Pletcher. I know he can fire them off the layoff with no issue, but he is better second off 29% than he is first off the layoff 21%. The sixth, Liam's Kiss, uh, you know, was facing some good horses. Uh, lost on debut to Poyama, who's going to be in this race and is uh, possibly going to give the five some, some pace pressure up front, and that's one of the reasons I left the five off of my ticket. Also, uh, last time we saw her, she was a very distant second, a fading second, but she was routing to Nostalgic. Nostalgic went from that race and won the Grade 3 Gazelle, which was a major prep for the Kentucky Oaks, and then she went to the Oaks after that. Now, the Oaks didn't go well for her for a multitude of reasons, but a very good horse to be finishing second behind. I think that cutting back to this one-turn mile is going to be perfect for her sire, Liam's Math, a perfect 4 for 4 at a mile, including three times at one turn, all of those for Todd Pletcher, so... I'm going to roll with her, roll with the two Todd Pletchers. I also use a third horse. I'm going to throw in a price, the eight, three witches. And this is the last horse that made my ticket because I could afford to go a little deeper. I think the horse maybe need a little bit of a, a race off of the layoff. We debut in July, get the win from off the pace. Come back, seven furlongs, a little tricky. Probably needed the race. But now we're back here again, uh, going a mile. I'm slightly worried that Zayas, who's Safi's top rider, usually at Gulfstream Park, he's staying with the four, but... You look at the four, you can understand why he's staying with the four. Tyler owns a replacement rider. He's pretty damn good, especially with Safi Joseph. I think you and I, with a Tyler Gaffleone, Safi Joseph horse at Gulfstream Park, had some fun last year. So uh, I'm going to roll with the 8-3, which is at 8-1. to one. If I can get 8-1, to one, I think that's really solid value. Yeah, I, I, three witches is the one that I, I could make a case for. Paloma, I think, is just up against it here. I don't. I think that the three has races in the back that would fit with this field but this is just a really tough spot considering the uh, the rest of the pace in here my issue with three witches i like the draw because i like sitting outside as clearly the third fastest horse and having some speed I, i'm not sure that three witches is better than a valve from coming off the pace or as fast as paloma or send to me from being on the pace and so you're kind of in one of those situations where uh, you're gonna have to take a pretty big step forward however you mentioned you know a valve facing state bread both of those races for three witches against open company. So uh, it, taking less of a step up in that sense there, that last race was first off the layoff. You could make a pretty good argument. You're going to see something better second off the layoff here. Horse did sell for $350,000 at auction. So there clearly was some talent, although it is E5, so you never know. Uh, but there clearly is some talent here um, for this for three witches. So I don't hate to use it 8-1. to one. Um, I, I think you're going to have to get one or two of the others not to fire for this one to win. But this would be the, the most logical other horse in my mind. Shots fired at uh, Tyler Gaffleone's in-laws, by the way. E5 racing thoroughbreds. All right, let's move on, Mike. The penultimate, not penultimate. Whoops, I screwed myself up there. The fifth and final leg of the Olympic Five at Goldstream Park on Wednesday, December 14th. Race nine. We're back on the turf. It's a five for a long sprint. Another field of eight. Uh, Phillies and Mary's three and up. Nine winners of two lifetime. In for $35,000 tags. You see the two is taking the $5,000 uh, weight allowance break there. The favorite is the one tweaked at two to one. You and I both love this horse. Talk about her. I actually thought this race was difficult, but I ended up liking the favorite the most. And so I kind of had to, I decided the best thing to do here was to try and single. Look, that race two back, trained to Artemis, crowding out, uh, both very good turf sprinters up in New York. Crowding out was in the Brown Barn, got claimed out of there, went to the Breen Barn, ran very well in that spot. Trained to Artemis, uh, a very good horse up there at New York right now. That race two back rocks this field. I mean, just rocks it. The question is if we can return to it or not. Um, I, I like the setup here. I think Saez on the rail is a good draw. You're going to have tactical speed, but not go right to the lead in a race where you've got two horses in the five, six horse Royally Blue and the eight babies dialed in, who both are going to want to be on the front end. I think you're going to get enough pace in that sense. I think Saez hits a perfect rail trip here. And this is a massive, massive class drop in my mind. I realize that, you know, we were in for the tag for 54 back. This claiming 35 is well below that level at Saratoga. That was over the dirt. The turf, clearly the better sur surface here as well. The three is interesting with never say, but man, I mean, that, that horse can be a very short price. And I don't, I'm not sure that horse really wants to win that much. If you go back to the numbers it ran with Wesley Ward, they tried to get this horse to be a winner at Saratoga and Aqueduct. It couldn't get the job done. Then goes to Turfway to break the maiden, sprints at Indiana Grand, unable to get the job done as the favorite, and then heads switches barn and heads to Saratoga. Just a lot of a lot of warts on that. And I just I don't want to touch it where I think this horse is probably the one that gets bet down. 
Uh, I'm totally with you, uh, both with the one and with the three. No offense to Bill Mott. This is not a Bill Mott horse. This is like if you see a dirt sprinter with Steve Asmussen that can't get the job done and they send it to Bill Mott. Like, what the hell is Mott going to do? Like, no no offense to Mott, but that is not his bread and butter. Uh, he's only 10% with turf sprints. And if Wesley Ward, whose actual bread and butter is two and three-year-old turf sprinters, could, couldn't get the job done with this horse, it's really lots of red flags here. Lots of red flags. So we passed on her. Uh, I went too deep. I also I was looking for a little bit of a price. I went, landed on the eight babies dialed in uh, Edgar Zayas riding for Will Deaton uh, drops back down for a tag for the first time since her debut. And yes, she was in for 16 K, but uh, white gates will wire one pretty easily. And we, uh, the fact that we've never been even considered to be dropped ever since then. And that was 13 months ago uh, is a good sign to me. I think she was great on the turf. The first time she tried it, this was at Tampa Bay downs. And I know last show we were going Tampa form is screwy as hell. That's true. But it was a very high-level race for Tampa Bay down. So it's like the one time you're like, well, maybe that's like that was the feature event at Tampa. The optional claimer 75K N1X almost gets the job done. Hasn't been as competitive since then, but the race at Gulfstream, she got stuck a little wide. I'm hoping we don't have that same situation here with Zayas. She's a little more forwardly placed. The three times she was more forwardly placed early is when she was competitive. So we're back on the turf. 15% for the trainer of turf sprinter, not many stats to go off of, uh, including this kind of a layoff like that. So not really sure what to think, but I'm getting a good price at 10 to one. And for me, I was between the eight and the six really about where to go. And when I saw the eight was going to be twice the price at 10 to one, and I have a little slightly better feeling about the eight to begin with, that's where I landed. Uh, the six for me, it's just a question of like, is this horse going to like turf? And do you want to pay five to one to find out in this race in the last leg, if this horse is going to like turf when palace is an 8% turf sire and, and you know, not, not a good angle that way. I, I don't know. I went with the eight instead of the six. Yeah. I, I jumped into some of the sire stats here when I was looking at this race and palace was one of those horses that I clicked on. You, you mentioned 8% turf sprinting sire. That is not wonderful. Um, the eight to me is really intriguing because if the six doesn't go, the eight's lone speed here going five and a half or five furlongs over Gulfstream Park's turf course, which is wildly dangerous. I also think this is a send spot from the outside where Zayas has to say, hey, I'm just going and I'm trying to make the rail by this by the turn. And if, if so, we'll see how this ends up. Right. So I, I think the eight's a, a sneaky good pick there from you. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the eight gets the lead. And if anything happens to the six, this eight is wildly dangerous here with baby dialed babies dialed in because there's not a ton of other pace in here. Uh, a couple horses I want to quickly mention here because I think they're a little interesting the seven horse love my job we mentioned kind of Aaron's thing okay if you break your your maiden at 25,000 you should be at 12.5 we're stepping up to 35,000 here I still think this one's a little interesting here if we can repeat that last race over the synthetic onto the turf love my job makes sense here at six to one this is owned by the uh by the Atler or Alters uh, who also Happy Alter also trains this horse, so they're they're keeping this horse protected or moving it up, I should say. No one's going to claim it for thirty five. Really keeping it protected in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> it tells me that they kind of like this one. This is one that they claimed for forty at Gulfstream Park. If you go back to the turf races at Gulfstream and at uh, or at Gulfstream Park, all of those races were competitive uh, as a as a three year old early in the season, and now we're later in the four year old season. And we're seeing this horse progress. If we go back onto the turf and are able to improve a little bit here. Uh, the seven fits at six to one. You get Gaffney on the board. Then how about a little crazy one here? The five horse, ooh, Barracuda. Okay. This one, this one's a little nutty at 20 to one for Blake Kelly. Also owns the horse and trains it. One for 38 this year. I get it. Okay. He's, he's three for a 13 in the money so far. Bridge Mahan gets them out. He is one for 29 at Gulfstream Park so far. But look at the workout three back flips a 46 and change workout the only turf workout that's shown and then comes back uh just on what was that the eighth would have been thursday does a three furlong turf blowout for this horse i realize we have to improve but we faced much much tougher a lot of our career like been ridiculously like four to one once in the career never below 15 to one outside of that and only once have we been below 25 to one so wildly overplaced horse who is getting back with horses that may actually be his level of competition. And you have a couple workouts that point to the fact that we may run first off the layoff here as well. So I wouldn't be shocked if Uberacuda outruns the odds. I'm not sure he wins, but I wouldn't be shocked if this is a good one to use underneath. Cause I think that, I think that 20 to one looks more like 35 to one on race day. And I, I wouldn't, I would, I expect that horse to outrun 35 to one. 
Uh, you know what? I I think the horse will outrun it. Also in for a tag for just a second time. And the only other time was at Kentucky Downs and for 30K. But that was by that point, the horse has just lost all hope in life. I mean, ninth beaten 15, seventh beaten 19, 10th beaten eight, eight beaten eight. Like it's always just losing massively. But if you go back to two years ago when the horse broke the maiden at fairgrounds or the race before at Indiana Grand almost broke the maiden. Those five, five and a half furlong turf sprints, they fit. And what worries me about this horse is if we return back to those races, now you've got the eight is going to be pressed. So there goes my play with the eight. So that kind of screws that up. So uh, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But you do bring up a great point. You got to worry about that. And then, you know, whatever the hell the six is going to want to end up doing in here. Um, Ooh, Barracuda. Nice heart song. That was always my dad's favorite song by the band Heart. So. Uh, that's where that name comes from. But yeah, we both love the tweet. Tweet you singled all over the place, right? The real horse. Yeah, I singled in both tickets. Like I, I didn't want to sit here and like I, I would probably be going if I spread this ticket out. I go one three seven eight, um, and I didn't think there was enough value in going one three seven eight. I don't really want the one and the three both on the ticket. I don't think there's a high enough probability that the seven or eight wins that it makes it worthwhile comparatively to what I think the percentage. I think the one wins, and so. For me, again, like I, I felt like this whole sequence was, look, I like some of these favorites. I want to figure out which ones I think are beatable and take small shots because I think the horses that are most likely to beat them are also correctly priced. And so when you're in that type of situation, the best route to take is not to like throw on shots that you want to take with these 20 to 1 shots. It's to play that ticket for more times, to try and hit it for 10 times or 12 times, which is what I'm going for, the $1 and $5 ticket. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining us for this nice little midweek uh, Wednesday, December 14th preview. We'll go ahead and give it our tickets one last time for the podcast listeners. You can take a look down below if you are watching on YouTube, and you're going to want to because Mike's got two different tickets, so just make sure you get everything correct. Go ahead over to YouTube real quick and check it out. At least if you listen to the podcast, go check out the end of the video. We've got it posted here. I will start off. I'm going to go 3-5 with 3-4-6 with 1-3-4 with 4-6-8. With one eight, that is fifty-four dollars for fifty cents, Mister Summage. I'm going to play two tickets. I'll play a dollar ticket, two five eight with two six, with four six, with four five, with one. That'll cost you twenty-four dollars for a buck. And then I'm going to go back and play a five dollar ticket, two five with two six, with four six, with four, with one. That'll cost you forty dollars for five bucks, so sixty-four dollar total investment here. Uh, I want to bring up this question from Car Rama. Pretty, uh, it's a good question in general, but also pretty uh, poignant because. Uh, on weekends when there really isn't much happening, which I think this might have been one of the last ones we'll have for the next six months. Uh, you know, we do these midweek shows. It's a great way to spice things up and sharpen the handicapping tools. Car Ramrod says, do you guys like playing these midweek cards more than, say, a stakes card on a weekend? The veteran Car Ramrod likes the variance of the midweek, which, especially Gulfstream, is going to happen. The fan in Car Ramrod loves seeing the big horses run. I'll answer first. Uh, I really just, I mostly play on the weekends. I follow all the big races. So for me, it's definitely the latter, but Mike, I know you're a little bit different there. Yeah, I like the midweek cards more. I like I like Wednesday and Thursday Gulfstream. I think it's some of the best money making opportunities. I like the the Wednesdays and Thursdays at Saratoga. I think those are some of the better money making opportunities, uh, for the simple reason that I think horses get mispriced more during the week than they do over the weekend because there are diff there are lower levels which are, are harder for people to dissect. The pools are also a little bit smaller, which I do think matters. Because when those singles go down in those smaller pools, you have less tickets that are alive. So it sets it up where, um, you know, you can string together nine to two shots and get a $5,000 pick five because you have horses that get hammered down at three to five, even money, four to five. In some of these races, they're just really hard to get around. And if those horses are, are ill-priced and they all lose, you can beat four of those in a sequence. It pays a lot because that was everybody's – one of those horses was everybody's singles on days like Wednesday – on Saturdays, you get bigger tickets, you get bigger bets, you have bigger pools. It's I think those are probably better priced because you have more consistency from that level of horse that you're seeing on Saturday versus from seeing $6,500 uh, claimers. Or, you know, like it, I, I had a nice Wednesday last week at Gulfstream because of a couple synthetic races. Almost was a nice Thursday because of a couple synthetic races where I think horses were just simply misbet. Um that happens to me more on the weekdays than it does on the weekend, just because I think people struggle with these type of races, specifically maidens and lower level claiming races are generally where people suck. That's where you're able to then make some money. And those are the races that you see on Wednesdays and Thursdays more than Saturdays. You also be like uh, our goodbye, Michael Olson. He hit the uh, late pick four Saturday. They ended in a phase of barely winning the Starlet Stakes 
at Los Al, but if you've got a short price Baffert there and two legs before, you've got a short price Baffert made and it should win by a lot. And again, almost didn't. Uh, that $10 lay pick four, it can come in handy. I'm glad you survived that because those Baffert races should have been more blown out than they were. But you got the win. That's all that matters. You can cash the ticket. So uh, it, 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 we all have different preferences. I know you and Aaron, you appreciate the variance of the, the, the weekday stuff because of, especially you and Dr. Tang playing tournaments. By the way, shout out to Dr. Tang. He's already excited to be back at BCBC next year. He's also excited, Mike, because it's in Santa Anita and not Kentucky. And he lives like five minutes away from Santa Anita. A little bit of a shorter flight for him. Yeah, the $500 travel budget goes a long way when you live five minutes away from it. I asked him if he was so Dr. Tang, for people who don't know, is a longtime listener and a close friend of ours. He uh, recently, he and his wife recently had their second child. And uh, I was I was like, OK, so you're still getting a hotel, right? And he's like, no, why would I do that? I was like, because you're going to try win the BCBC with two toddlers at home. His response, which was very great, was I just won the BCBC spot with two toddlers at home. Why would I switch it up? You know, that's a good think, point. As somebody who's winning those, true. I'll let him. I'm going to I'm going to out Dr. Tang. I think the older ones with the parents, and they've got to live in nanny for a month too. So I'm not so sure he won that season. Get out of here, Doc. Ah, Go back to solving cancer. Stay out of here. What are you doing? (laughs) I know that's pretty good. Um, Thanks everybody for joining us. We're going to get out of here. We'll be back on Thursday for a regular show at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific, covering uh, what Magic likes, which is the weekend Saturday stakes races. But uh, yeah, and then that will be my last appearance, or no, probably that next Monday. That next Monday. So I've got two shows left and then uh, I'm off for the holidays, but uh, it'll be a fun time. Make sure you join us on Thursday. And then, oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's Monday. Let's talk about Monday Night Football. Mike, what are you thinking about tonight's game? Uh, man, that's what we got. New England at uh, at Arizona tonight. Yep. I- I'm going to take the dog. Give me Arizona here with the points. I, to me, this is one of those spots where New England struggled with rushing quarterbacks all season long. You saw it against Justin Fields. They've struggled against Josh Allen. That's what Arizona does and has. They don't have that, that much else going for them right now. But this is two mediocre teams. I think Arizona is the better of the two mediocre teams, especially since they are the, the kryptonite to this defense on the New England side as a running quarterback. And that's exactly what Kyler Murray can offer. So I'll take the points and I'll take Arizona tonight. Uh, do you think Mac Jones will scream, throw the effing ball at, at any point during the game? Will he be that obsessed or upset because they're just doing like the, the old run and gun style? <laughs> This is a defense that, that New England could have some success against. I wouldn't be shocked if you see a couple points in this game either, because this is like Arizona's defense isn't very good, and New England's defense struggles generally against Arizona's styles of style of offense. So it's a good matchup for the over and for points. Um, I bet they wing it a little bit tonight. Mac Jones actually looked better the last couple games than he had prior to that. Uh, so I, I bet they wing it a little bit for 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 uh, New England tonight. The one thing that worries me, and. Uh, you don't want to poke an angry bear that's not having a good year like Bill Belichick. And uh, I saw Arizona's D coordinator um, said that it's the reason New England's having these offensive issues is because Bill Belichick and his infinite wisdom somehow is letting Matt Patricia call the offensive plays. Now, if you don't remember, Matt Patricia had an amazing offensive experience at the Super Bowl when as the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, he allowed a record amount of yards to be thrown all over them in that loss. And then he became the Detroit Lions head coach and that one even worse. So I mean, I, why is he calling plays? He, he's the, the, the coordinator zone isn't wrong. I mean, the, the fact that they don't have an actual offensive coordinator is wild to me. I mean, it's it's just the blind leading the blind on the, offside of the offensive side of the ball. But I think Belichick wants control. And he knew that putting Patricia there gave him complete control over everything. That's why he ended up doing it. How I don't disagree with this statement. I mean, this is like a dude playing. like This is, this is like NFL coaching versus like fifth grade elementary school peewee football coaching. I mean, Kyler or Cliff Kingsbury is a, a train wreck. He couldn't win at Texas Tech with Mahomes. Thinking that he's going to be able to handle this here is, is, is wild. But I'm going to take the quarterback edge there because I do think Kyler is better. This, this I don't know, are you watching Hard Knocks in season? No, I always forget that it happens in season. Uh, it's the first year they've done it. So this, but And they're doing it around Arizona, okay. which is interesting because Cliff Kingsbury is a awful mo- like watching that i'm like yeah no this guy shouldn't be a coach this is a bad idea I'm like nope we shouldn't be doing this and you see kyler murray and the guy just does not give a bleep like he does not care about it at all which is very concerning but also makes you understand why they tried to add you need to watch film in your contract because he clearly does not care about the actual football part of this he should have played baseball like i 100 believe he should have just played baseball would have been much better for him would have got paid a ton of money he was a top 10 draft pick 
And you don't need to actually study film or figure out defenses or learn to read anything. All you got to do is hit the damn ball. Uh, fun fact about Cliff Kingsbury. Former quarterback of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the Canadian Football League. The last season of football he ever played as a player, he was the he was the second or third string quarterback for the Blue Bombers. There uh, isn't wasn't Cliff Kingsbury supposed to be like the 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 quarterback guru, like the young guy that all the quarterbacks love, and they were oh man, we're gonna get along and all be best friends. And me and Baker Mayfield, man, we're so good together. Yeah, I don't think that worked out too well for either one of them. How many coaches that are like, hey, I'm gonna be your best friend, are also good NFL coaches? That's true. There's a saying about uh, what is it? To, to the the most successful people in business tend to be the biggest dicks because you almost have to be. Nobody ever says Bill Belichick's a nice guy. The players afterwards like, oh, he's he's got a sense of humor sometimes. Like that's what they say about him. That's supposed to be nice. So, what? Uh, yeah. Listen, uh, I'm glad that you like him. I hope that makes you feel nice and comfy and cuddled up when you're you know spending every off season not playing football or every playoff not playing football. I think a big part of it is conviction and belief, right? You, you you have to have a certain conviction and belief that you are correct, both in business and in sports, and that you are doing the right thing. And that can often rub the other people the wrong way, especially in a situation like an NFL team where you have these highly paid quarterbacks who have been the best athlete at every single level and have always been incredible and always been catered to because of that talent. You get to the NFL, that can rub the wrong way with certain people. But, you, you know, if you, if you set it up properly – if you, if you have that conviction, you're able to then somehow make sure you still connect with those quarterbacks, those other players and your employees in the business side. That's where you can kind of have see that everything gel and go well. It really comes down to this. Look, you can be a dick if you're winning. And that's where Belichick comes in, right? Where he he's like, I can run the shop any way I damn well please because we've won so many Super Bowls and had so much success. Um, I, I, you know, Andy Reid is the one who I'd be interested in. He may actually mm. like he, he seems like he's an entertaining guy. You never hear anyone come out and say anything against him either. Um, and then you see him in the commercials and you actually get a little chuckle about it, too. So I, yeah. Andy Reid would be the one coach where I bet he actually does get along with some, with some of his players. They really do like him. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a tough job. You have to have thick skin. you got to be able to piss people off and be OK with it. There's an exception to every rule. That's what that means. Uh, last comment before we got here. Chris Mando brings up Kingsbury in episode one of Hard Knocks. Readily admits he can't afford his fifteen, you know, seven thousand square foot house that uh, I remember when they had the draft. Like he was there for the draft what two years ago, and it just was. I mean, it was one of those things where it looked beautiful, but it's also like it's one man. What do you need all of that space for? And how expensive is that cleaning bill each week? Like that that can't be cheap either. Well, he was outside in like a, it wasn't a rotunda, but it was like this structure with this grass out there too. Like I, yeah. the, the lawn cost must be wild. The water cost there to water that thing, keep it lush and green in Arizona. Arizona that can't be cheap. Uh, however, I got to say bullshit. He can afford that house. I mean, a 7,000 square foot house in Arizona can't be that expensive on an NFL coach's salary. Like he, he got the bag uh, when he got hired. It says he bought it for four point four five million dollars. Yeah, there's no way he, he he could totally afford that house. Yeah, that's fine. I'd love to have that house, not for that price point, but necessarily. I always when I see that and it's in Arizona, I always think, all right, now what is that going to cost in Los Angeles? How many zeros are we adding to the end of that? That's going to I mean, be in in LA. Probably a twenty to thirty million dollar home in LA. Yeah, and actually, there's a lot of those for sale. All the Beverly Hills celebrities, they're all putting their houses up for sale right now. So, uh, hey, the market's hot right now. We're going to get out of here. Uh, thanks for joining us. Make sure you come back on Thursday. Stay tuned. A little over an hour, Dudes Who Bet Sports. Papa Dude and Aaron going to recap all of the NFL action. And also, Oakland Park. Now that Oakland Park is back in season, uh, every show that they do, they do a show twice a week in the afternoons. They're going to be Oakland-focused. So that if you like to play Oakland, you've got two guys that know Oakland about as well as anybody that will be talking about it. So tune in for that one. <laughs> uh, until Thursday, uh, make sure you join us then. I, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Kellerbird. He's at Summer Bomb 18, number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, guys. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.